Hello and welcome to a special two-person edition of the Schooner Pod. I will be co-hosting tonight. I'm Ty. Joining me is the other co-host of the Schooner Pod, Jameson. About five seconds ago, I learned that Bobby was not joining us because (laughs) I do not read the group text. So I'm not sure why Bobby isn't joining us, but Bobby is not joining us. Uh, So please send your congratulations or prayers, whatever's appropriate. I do not know. Uh, So today, Jameson and I are going to be breaking down the position groups of the upcoming OU football team. We're going to be putting them on a tier list, and we're going to be speculating, obviously, and I think the the high points that we're going to hit on each group, obviously, we're going to touch on the players a little bit. We've touched on them before. We're going to do a more in-depth roster breakdown when we get closer to the season, and we're just going to touch on the players, what we think they're going to be going into the season, obviously, that's going to have a little bit to do with what's the past performance of these guys. And then what do we think maybe their ceiling is? And we might even get into discussing, you know, this is where we think they are going into the season, but they could certainly have some room to improve. I I certainly think when we talk about maybe a bit of foreboding the receivers, there might be some significant room to improve there, judging by what we saw in the spring game. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to our co-host Jameson, and he's going to break it down for y'all. Yeah, it looks like Bobby's in the airport right now, and he's in airport hell. And let me tell you something. Bobby is absolute glue guy when it comes to this podcast, obviously, because he makes the graphics. You know, he gets everything put together. And I was sitting here around maybe 30 minutes ago. I was like, oh, my God, I need to make the stream yard. I need to make all these things. And Bobby, like, gave us a generic thumbnail. And I was like, I've got to make this at least look like we're doing a tier maker challenge. And I was like, graphic design is not my passion. It is not. Like, the people who make, like, you know, the graphic design is my passion. Memes are better than me at this. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone loves on the podcast discussing the graphic design that they <laughs> are not seeing. So. Just go check out the thumbnail. Essentially, I just superimposed a couple of images over Bobby's generic um, thumbnail for the Schooner Pod. And then I have put in the letters, essentially, for QB, RB, wide receivers, tight ends, O-line, D-line, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. We're not doing um, any kind of special teams today, but we're going to put them in a tier and kind of if you don't understand how tier maker works or if you're listening on podcast and not youtube essentially it goes from s a b c and d and you know i i've been looking at this for a long time I'm like s what does that mean i whenever i think on a grade scale i'm like is that satisfactory is that you know those those pass fail classes but s at the top i guess it's super and then obviously it's like an a through d scale i'm not putting f here for oklahoma football i have no idea why we would ever give our own home team an F. And if I did, I'd be worried Ty would just try to get me to put that for the QB. Yeah, I, I zoned out there. But uh, <laughs> I, I am assuming context clues that you were saying something negative because I heard QBs. <laughs> but, you know. Bobby's listening right now and he's like, oh no, what have no. I done? Why did I let them do this? We're about to dive into it, but a little bit of a tease, and this is good establishing the rules and sort of the boundaries as we dive into this. We're discussing the position groups as a whole. So obviously that is primarily going to be the starters, but, uh, you know, quarterbacks specifically, just because Jamison touched on that. We cannot judge the entire group based on, on one guy. So there could be promise later on down there. And I think that might lead to some interesting uh, discussions, especially when it comes to the skill positions that, that do 
have a higher potential for turnover outside of injuries and other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't put an apostrophe S after the QB because, to be honest with you, if we lose Dylan Gabriel, I mean, getting on Jackson Arnold's fun and all, but, I mean, we're going to really talk about the starters. And, you yeah. know, we can talk about one and two deep because they're going to get rotational minutes. You know, like you say, like the defensive linemen, the starters are not going to be the only defensive linemen that play. They're going to rotate, you know, five, six, seven, eight players, depending if mm -hmm. you include the DNs. You know, quarterback, it's typically it's just the quarterback and that's it. You know, even with running backs, he'll play three, four deep. So I say we go hop right yeah, into it. I, I have, yeah. Oh, go for it. Go for I it. I think we hop right in. We have to add our customary poverty tier. And if you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, first group going in poverty tier is obviously, you heard it. You even heard it if you're listening to the podcast version. Uh, Jameson's grammar, there is no reason for there to be a possessive apostrophe on <laughs> any right. of these. You're right. <laughs> so, I'm not really sure. It's the running backs ranking RB apostrophe S is a B uh, or a C, right? Maybe? Sounds a bit, sounds a bit <laughs> a retroactive justification, but uh, yeah, I think without further ado, let's dive in. I say we just hop right into quarterback, Ty, because that's kind of what we were talking about, and I think that would um, is kind of an easy one for us to talk about, but might be a, a harder one from your perspective because your thoughts on the quarterbacks are a little bit different than mine. I think we're just going to talk about Dylan Gabriel here. I just yeah. don't want to really include Jackson Arnold at all. Um, okay. I think Jackson Arnold, obviously, we can get excited about, but unless something goes crazy, he's not going to be a part of our actual quarterback room this year. And I, I don't want to play like scenarios like, oh, if Dylan Gabriel to get hurt, this is our quarterback. No. I, I mm -hmm. said we just straight up put Dylan Gabriel as a one-man show. Everyone else will have multiple. I think, personally, I think he is a B. So that is right smack dab in the middle on this. Mm -hmm. And some people might say, like, oh, like he might be one of the top 20 college football quarterbacks in the nation this year. And I completely understand where you're getting from that. You know, whenever you compare him next to other people, I can see how he can put up the stats and kind of look like that. But in terms of what we need to succeed in as an OU football program and comparing him to the rest of the position groups, I'm not ready to put him out an A until he can show me some of those warning signs like his accuracy and his decision-making under pressure can improve. Hmm. I, I am very surprised by your answer. I think you're going to be even more surprised by my answer. So I had, funny enough, I had the same answer Let's regardless, go. regardless of whether or not we were going to use the entire position group. Or no, I didn't give my answer yet. I had the oh, same oh. answer uh, for the position group as a whole as I do for just Dylan Gabriel. That is huh. also a B, and here's why. I I think as OU fans, every single piece of sports media out there has beaten this dead horse to glue that OU is used to having S tier quarterback. OU is used to having, oh, yeah. especially in modern times, literal Heisman level quarterbacks just back to back to back to back at a ridiculous rate. So we are a bit spoiled. I think college football as a whole, I think Dylan Gabriel is a B tier quarterback. I think he's not as bad as, you know, I make him sound when I'm doing a bit as other people make him sound. But I also think he's not that good. I think he's reached pretty much his peak uh, development. And I think he's just not what we're used to seeing. But I think if you, you know, put him out on every single team in college football, he would even out to pretty much a, a B level. I don't think he's C because obviously C, you know, the lowest of passing. I think he's 
He's just kind of exceedingly average, and we're not used to that. And I think he does have a lot of stuff going for him at Oklahoma that he maybe wouldn't have at other places. So you could argue that he would be maybe even worse with a worse offensive coordinator, with worse receivers, or whatever else. But I think he's exceedingly B-tier. And uh, if I were judging the position group as a whole, I would also still go with B-tier because I think Arnold has the potential to be S-tier. And I think uh, if we're looking at comparing the entire position group, then Gabriel's obviously up tier, so that would even out to be. <laughs> the thing is, like, yeah, if we bring Jackson Arnold into this, I could also agree with the B thing, too, because we are judging him as his freshman year, you know, freshman year quarterback. This is him currently. And if you're telling me you feel more confident than him, um, than Gabe and him than Gabriel this season as your starting quarterback, I'd have to kind of squint my eyes and look at you. A little bit. Um, yes, in the comments, Mr. John, do I think Jackson Arnold can push Dylan Gabriel? Absolutely. I think that he's kind of close to Dylan Gabriel. But the thing is, Dylan Gabriel's got one year under his belt right now. And everyone's saying like, oh, you know, he got brought in because he understands Levy's system. And it would be a more of a like a seamless transition. There's still a transition. Anytime you're a transfer quarterback, not all the time it's squeaky clean. You come in and you do great. I mean, we've seen it in some instances where some quarterbacks have gone in and the first year they've done great, but then you've seen some kind of stories where it's like they come in and they have had a little bit of issue of getting like the system, especially throwing the ball. Like Bo Nix last year for Oregon, Oregon throwing the ball. I understand that's not a strong suit, but man, like you could tell he was really struggling with accuracy um, as well. Um Quarterbacks take a little bit of time, and I would expect to see an improvement in his decision-making and understanding the offense even better next year or this coming year. But the problem is he just doesn't have the same kind of targets. So I'm thinking it might be kind of the same mean as we saw last year as well, losing a Mims and a Braden Willis, et cetera. Yeah, that's kind of something I was getting at. You know, he he lost, especially the receiving core, lost some of those tools. So you might counteract any sort of development or, or – comfort level that has been built i think i think he continues to average out and i don't want this to sound demeaning but it, you know i i think that this is this is where he's at yeah i agree what do you, what do you want to do next do you want to stay on the offense side of the ball or um go across to the defense i think i think to keep the pace we should start bouncing back and forth let's on, do it on sides of the ball so what are you thinking d-line linebacker cornerback or safety Let's go with D-line, the guys who are coming after the opposing quarterback. Yeah, I agree. D-line's a fun fun group to talk about and kind of just give you all a refresher of kind of like a projected um, starting defensive lineman. And I'm going to go ahead and not include the cheetah in this. I think that that is a linebacker. I understand there's some, like, could be an outside linebacker, could be, you know, an edge rusher. I'm going to put them into the linebacking group. So we're going to have two defensive ends here, a defensive tackle and a nose tackle. Probably our starters at defensive end would be Rondell Bothroyd. He came out as a top PFF edge rusher, defensive end um, that I saw on the stat on my Twitter today, which is pretty cool seeing that as a transfer. Probably Ethan Downs on the other side with maybe some R. Mason Thomas and Trace Ford. Um, expect to see some Reggie Grimes as well and some Marcus Stripling and maybe a P.J. Adeboare every once in a while. Isaiah Coe, the nose tackle with Jordan Kelly behind him. You could flip-flop both of those. And then the defensive tackle, Jonah Laulu, I think is going to have that position. And then the transfer from Notre Dame, Jacob Lacey, should be right behind him. Ty, what are you thinking about this position group? I mean, some exciting things, some transfers. I, I mean, this could be a group that could be a lot better and help us a lot from what we showed, we showed last year. 
Yeah. So I think in, again, I, I've touched on receivers, obviously touching back on the spring game. I think we saw maybe a disappointing receiver performance compared to what some were expecting. So I think they have a lot of room to excel throughout the season, but mm-hmm. like, like you just talked about the D line, if I'm comparing those two groups, which is, I am for my comparison, if you weren't aware, <laughs> But the D-line, just, it, it didn't have that sort of performance. So it's not a you know a peak dip and then a, and then hopefully a re-peak like we might see from the receivers. I, I think we are going to continue to see a, a performance increase. D-line, like O-line, but D-line especially is not necessarily something that you see massive leaps. But I think typically it's not something you see massive leaps. But I think there's a high potential that we do see a pretty massive leap in D-line performance. I, certainly, I'm hoping that this is the case. But uh, I, I think that if you look at it objectively, you can kind of wrap your mind around the the potential for a really good sort of exponential, maybe even uh, a, a logarithmic leap in D-line performance when it comes into to this year. That's what Venables is known for. And I, I think that's what we're trying to build this defense around. So I think... Looking at the standards that we've established, if we're because now we get into sort of comparing, yeah, you know, we've set rules for ourselves. S is like an A plus, you know, like if you're going like yeah, that is like S this, is, this is like a 95 and above, S, you know, like A yeah. is an A, and then I'd say B, you can start acting like we're in school. B is, you know, a yeah. um, 80 to 89, and C is 70, 79, and then D, I would consider failing. Um, a yeah. lot of programs do. If you get D's, you don't pass. Yeah, for our for our sake, since those are the five that we have, I'm going to go ahead, it, uh, cut to the chase after rambling for a few minutes. I'm going to say in A, nice. I think that, I think it could go, I think might start in B, but I think season as a whole, I expect this D-line to be in A. If they're not, we're going to be in trouble. But uh, I think what? that all the all the pieces are there. And in the just quick programming note before I hand it over to you, James, and personally, don't let this affect yours, but personally, S tier for me, I'm considering is, are they going to be winning awards at the end of the season? That's very uh, fair. I completely, I can completely follow you with that. Okay. Um, here's my thing. So you said that they might start as a B and get to an A. Let's just talk about like, how do we think they are like coming into the beginning of the season? Um, so like right now, so would you still put them as an A? Uh, just try not to weigh too much potential of what we think mm-hmm. is going to happen. More so of like what we think they're currently at right now. So, I mean, not to be pedantic, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. So, because it's still, it's sure. all preseason speculation. Yeah. So okay. I, I got I'm going to say A until okay. proven right. But I, I think what I meant to say was, I expect A. I think they're at A. I would not be surprised just because there's maybe it's a it's a mis- mismatch, mis mis something like that. Mix, <laughs> is it mix mash or is it mismatch? Mismatch. mismatch? Not mismatch, like mishmash. I think of people. Okay. There's some sort of term like that, uh, but it, because it's a it's like a cluster F is what you're trying to say. No, because that has a negative. It's a it's sort of a grab bag of, of people. It's not spare okay. parts, but it's not, you know, these guys weren't recruited out of high school, like after years and years of sort of, we've had this, our eye on this guy since he's been a sophomore, you know, we're looking to yeah, see where I got he falls it. in. So I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see some hiccups when we get into first real games, but I think season as a whole, I'm expecting a, 
I mean, I think everyone's going to start out a just looking at our schedule, but right. Uh, yeah, I think I think a. But it would not surprise I, me if there's. I think a potential for teething problems, but a is is the most succinct way. Here's the thing: like our defensive line last year in those first couple non-con games, they kind of looked like an A. They did. I think Reggie yeah. Grimes and Ethan Downs, we were kind of really convinced with. They were getting to the quarterback. We were getting tackles for losses. That was almost like kind of our strong point. And we were like, whoa, this is nice. I'm buying into this. And then the season progressed. And I was like, no, that is not an egg. Uh, we do not have any speed on the defensive end getting to the quarterback, which is one of the most important things you can do in football now in today's day and age is get to the quarterback. I say this all the time on this podcast, and I say I say, I say this all the time, all the time on the podcast, um, that the most important position groups, you can tell how uh, important they are by how much they get paid in the NFL. So quarterbacks, obviously, are going to get paid the most because they're the most um, you know, important. But then right after that, it's probably edge rushers. You know, So edge rushers are really, really important. These defensive ends are important. And they were not good last year. You could convince me to be a D um, on this overall defensive mm -hmm. line. It yeah. was not good. It really could. And here's my thinking, Ty. I think this Bothroyd edition is a big, big deal. I think mm -hmm. that that pushes them up. I really do. I'm not ready to give an A yet. I just think they have so much to prove. Yeah. I think Bothroyd's going to be really good for them. I think he's going to play well like he did last year. Um, he's already proven. I think Laulu is starting to make strides, and people are seeing him as a guy who's you know, coming into his own. Jacob Lacey's shown some good things. And yeah, people are going to be like, oh, some people didn't show as good of things in the spring game. But as we discussed, you know, the spring game is not made for the big boys to have any kind of fun. They're not, they're not going to do well because, especially for the defensive line, they have to hold up every single time they go out there. They don't want to be the guy who hits the blue shirt. So here's my, here's my thing. I can see them being an A. I really do. If those guys can come up to their potential, I really like a guy like Isaiah Coe, but he still has a lot to prove. I think if we could get Rondo Bothright and R. Mason Thomas to take another step and then have Trace Ford, I'm not a big Ethan Downs believer, um, but I think if those guys from the edge can step up, I think they can be an A. I'm just not ready to give it to them yet, especially mm -hmm. from what I saw at the end of the year last year. It's a lot of speculation. I will give them a B because that's how much I think about Rondo Bothright. I just can't give them an A yet as because you're saying they're a step below you know, winning awards. I, I can't, I can't follow you on that one. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. So I, I might yield to your okay. sort of greater depth. And, and I think B, this is sort of like we did when we did the mascot tier list though, yes. is, is once we get through, uh, we're like an AI as a team, we start to, we start to develop sort of learning specific to the tier. And now if the D line is at a B, I'm not necessarily sure if I'm comfortable with quarterbacks at B, but uh, we will. I uh, see. I am that's, though. It's the I am. Meaty, that's the fat end of the curve, I suppose. So most stuff is going to fall there, but uh, we yeah, don't it, have a B plus and back. a B minus. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I can. I think you know, D line is like a straight B. I want to put them a B minus. I want to put them a B plus, just because I believe in the evolution of this defensive yeah. end group. Um, inside still's got a lot to prove. Um, mm -hmm. but a quarterback it's already done. It's already put in place. Let's move yeah. on back to the, let's move back to the offense side of the ball. And I think we can go into wide receivers now, just cause we kind of already talked about the passing game and we kind of talked about, um, already our 
wide receiver problem and kind of who we've lost last year. Marvin Mims leaving is a big deal. I understand he was underutilized. I know, oh, we talk about like, oh, his route tree was limited and he didn't get as much and he should have been a wide receiver one getting like eight catches a game and all these kind of stuff. Seemed like there'd be some games where you get like three or four targets, but like what's going on here? What is happening? I don't know if that's a scheme thing or I don't know if they were like, purposefully restricting Marvin Mims or he's just not going to be as good as we thought he was whenever he had Heisman quarterback thrown to him. Um, but here's my thing with this wide receiver room. I'm just really nervous about them. You talk slot receivers. I might give them, you know, a B plus and put them in like the high and B room, even consider an A because Drake Stoops has really shown to be special in terms of his hand and his consistency. He's exactly what you want from a slot guy. He does what he needs to do and he can pop off um, a couple of big plays, but he's got rock like really, really good hands outside wide receiver. I'm just worried. There's just so much to prove. Jalil Farouk is a guy who's done a lot, but still like I need to see a lot from him. You know, on the other side, projected starter, I guess Andrew Anthony would be the other on the outside. Um, And he disappointed me a little bit in the spring game. Obviously I wanted to see him catch a big ball and, and you know, a lot of people in the recruiting world right now are freaking out about Oklahoma's re- um, receivers room. I feel like they weren't um, beforehand, but with us not getting Jordan Tyson, um, Colorado transfer going to Arizona state, you know, people are saying like, I really don't like this receiving room. It's starting to scare me. There's some clear deficiencies. I think this is a C tie, this wide receiver room. Um, and it might be our, one of our worst rooms. Um, I'm not ready. I could, you could even, I think I'm going to say C just because of Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops, but I, I don't think it's a B. Yeah, so here's not to continue to attack it, but are the receivers as a group worse than the quarterback? And I'm not joking here. Yes, I'm not so sure about I'm not so sure about that. If we're, but uh, yeah, I think a, a very important thing, and this is something that I constantly touch on on this podcast, I, I've sort of developed my own theory around it. And, and you kind of touched on it with Mims is losing him. He was just such an asset out there. And of course we're all familiar with the first Earl of Torrington, uh, Sir Arthur Herbert and of his course. concept of the fleet in being or the fleet in waiting. Um, it, it's this, this concept of old school Naval warfare back before they had aircraft of just the threat of having your fleet, you wouldn't even have to sortie it. You wouldn't even have to send your fleet out of port to go do battle against the enemy. You could dominate an area of of sea, specifically, you know, in Sir Arthur's case, the English Channel. He could keep his, his vaunted Royal Navy in port and prevent the French, prevent whoever else from sailing into the channel just by knowing that the fleet was there and that if you fought them, you would probably lose. And I firmly believe in college football, if you have a really big star receiver, they can add a whole lot to the team even when they aren't catching the ball. If you just you. have them out there, if you if they are your fleet in being, they are on the field, you know that they can be sorted and do battle at any moment. You have to plan around that. You have to respect that. And I think that's a major loss of this position group as a whole. I think there's high potential. This position group could end in a tier at the end of the year. This position group, you could have individuals peaking up into the S tier by the end of the year. You never know, especially with receivers, but I think there's a high potential that we have some big issues because we have a lot of 
good guys. We have a lot of okay guys. We have a lot of maybe niche use guys, but I don't know that we have that big threat that can sort of draw attention and open up to, you know, my theory that I'm always uh, talking about is my, it's really great to be the number two receiver on a team in college football because you can get those game winning catches sometimes because the other team is so focused on the main guy. If you're number two, but you're not bad, you really open up some stuff, but I don't know that we have a firm big threat. Number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, Drake Stoops goes out on the field and other teams are going to recognize him and stuff, but I mean, Drake Stoops is amazing. But he's a slot, but he's a slot. Yeah, so he's going to, he's going to garner a different kind of co like yeah. coverage against him. Yeah. Then, you know, well, like what you're saying with the wide receiver one, you know, like they will attract, you know, their best yeah. cover, cover corner, but there's no mm -hmm. outside wide receiver two on this team that I feel like could really like, you know, warrant some of the, the, uh, the spoils that you're talking about here. Yeah. And, and I think you, a good example of this maybe is, and, and I'm saying this sort of as a – this is like pro-Baker Mayfield propaganda. But like OBJ winning the Super Bowl, he didn't really add anything to that team, you know, that he got thrown onto. I know it was at the Chargers. But he just oh, had that quit. name and brand recognition. Start. People were like, oh, we got to like respect him. He was washed, like couldn't play at all, barely. And they put him out there because he had the, the name recognition. It's the same thing. You could put Michael Jordan on an NBA team today – He'd still probably be double covered, triple covered, whether he can play or not, just because he has that recognition. We don't have that. We don't have a Michael Jordan of receivers on this team, unfortunately. Yeah, it's you, yeah. I you think, think you here. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, good with C. Okay, I think Jalil Farouk <laughs> can be a guy. Can be an A. I completely agree with you. I think what he saw as an athlete, especially playing like the quarterback position last year, like he can go make moves out in space. Um, the problem is. Are we going to give him enough of volume mm -hmm. in this offense to where he could be that kind of guy? Because we had a guy who was a second round pick in the draft this year. It's, if you talk about second round picks, that's, I feel like that's almost like an A kind of guy. And he didn't put up the stats that we really wanted to last year. Yeah. Um, it just, I just think that might be Levy's offense. So I mm -hmm. agree. I think a C, but I'm not dooming y'all wide receivers. Yeah. I really, I really do. I really think you have a lot of ways to go, but this is what we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. right now. And I think what you said, wide receiver two is the big, big part there. Can someone step up? I'm looking at you and a lot of people are talking about these names, Nick Anderson, you know, Rodney Anderson's little brother. People talking about him a lot. You see him a lot on social media too. Um, you know, you look at a guy like, I don't know. I mean, an LV Bunkley Shelton, could he do it? DJ Graham? I don't, I really don't know. Jaden Gibson, I feel like I, I can't say that name just yet because I feel like he still has got a long way to go. Um, but somebody's got to step up and yeah. someone will have opportunity and snaps to do it. Well, and I, I do want to touch on real quick because I feel like somewhere someone's going to be listening to this and they're screaming, you know, why did you guys give so much weight to, oh, the D line probably has a lot more potential? And mm -hmm. then we spent half the time on the receivers talking about how they have the potential to maybe be up in the S tier. Okay, I fair. think personally, I, I'm keeping them in C, but I, I want to clarify uh, when you're looking at practice in the spring game, but the spring game, especially like we touched on the D line can't go all out in the spring game. You know, they can't show how aggressively they can attack the quarterback and everything else. If you're a receiver, you should be absolutely showing out and flexing in the spring game and in practice and everything mm -hmm. else there's no you it's almost easier because you lose obviously there's a lot of rules around protecting receivers but you lose that threat of taking like a massive hit you know because dirty hits still happen and 
all sorts of stuff. It's generally a little bit slower pace of a game. If you're a receiver and you want to show out the spring game is you can put up an absolute highlight reel and, and not have to be grinding, you know, cause you're not having to go a full out block all the time and all sorts of other stuff. And it's the same in practice. If you're a really, really star receiver, it becomes very apparent pretty early in the practice season. And I just don't know that we're getting that reporting from people that are getting visibility mm-hmm. into practice and, and press conferences and stuff. And I think that's why obviously a lot of potential for them. I know we're spending a lot of time on the receivers, but I, I think you have to look at practice in the spring game as much more indicative of the performance that we're going to see during the season when it comes to receivers than you can with other position groups like the D line. So I think I have to really value this lack of performance. Uh, well, I have to, I have to mark that as a negative against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is like, just one last thing before we move on to another defensive position group, you know, and wide receivers, I feel I can be confident about two and then maybe even a third in the wide receiver group that I know that they will produce this year. Absolutely two with Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. And then yep. Gavin Freeman, I guess would be my number three. When you talk about defensive linemen, though, why I put them a step above the wide receivers is there are not just two um, people in that defensive line group that I think that could actually, you know, put up consistent numbers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and there's a lot more returning talent that did put up some numbers last year than that of the wide receiving group. Not a lot of re- returning talent there. Um, so yeah. I think it warrants a different, even though they both have potential, wide receivers have just a bigger jump than the defensive line. Yeah. That I, I think, think that I think that we're on the same page yeah. here on that. Receivers in closing, I'd like to say I think we have a ton of just superstar athletes. I don't mm-hmm. know if we have a ton of superstar receivers, if that makes we'll sense. See. I, mm-hmm. I know you get what I'm saying here with, yes, with that, totally. Jameson, but I think it's it that room is full of athletes, but are they, you know, high level D one receivers yet to be seen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Pick a defensive group for me, Ty, and let's talk about them. So let's let's sort of keep the pass game flow going, and I think let's roll to safeties. Yes, great. And that's exactly what I would have pre- um, picked because I'm excited about the safety group, Ty. Like, this one really gets me excited. I I think I'm going to put them in an A, and I know we need some optimism in this ranking. I really do because I feel like we're just going to see a lot of mid at the end of this, and we're going to be like, what, what are these guys talking about? Like, are these really OU fans? They're just putting Bs and Cs on all of our players, and I just watched this whole podcast you know, and it's just a bunch of generic, just blah. This, this, this isn't podcasting. They're not saying anything bold. Here's my bold statement. And I think the safeties group is good. I really, really do. This is what we've been looking for in a safety group for a long time. We went through the Pat Fields to Laren Turner yell years for something like this. Billy Bowman, <laughs> absolute stellar athlete. Um, and he's shown some things since he was a freshman. He deserves to be where he is now in year three. And let me tell you something. My favorite player probably on this football team is Reggie Pearson from what I saw in that spring game. I understand I'm judging off one game, but I also saw him last year at Texas Tech. And man, this guy, I just love. He's just got a great attitude, comes downhill. He makes plays. He makes plays. We didn't say that about a lot of safeties in our past. And then you go talk about behind that. Key Lawrence. It's not even a projected starter in the safety room. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that we thought was one of our best D backs, you know, at one point in the past. And then one of the best, you know, possible, you know, bright stars of our future, Peyton Bowen on top of all this, that is a too deep, solid, solid safety room. That is an A. And if you talk about awards, you know, like if Peyton Bowen can come out on the scene, somehow steal like the room from somebody like a Billy Bowman gets hurt or I, I really don't know. 
could he win like freshman, you know, deep, um, defensive big 12 awards. He's mm-hmm. that type of guy who could go out and get a good amount of interceptions, even if it is in limited stats. Cause that's just kind of the baller he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually, I agree. I, I do. I think on quick notes, I think I have a vague memory of us really hyping up the safety group oh, we, going into yep, yep, going yep. into last year. Uh, so I do think I now I'm starting to be very frightened as we put the safeties <laughs> into A tier. But this Justin is just Broyles is there. The worst age podcast of all time. <laughs> That's podcasting. You, you turn you turn you know like your morning television about these sports people, and they're just saying, "Yeah, these guys are just average." Uh, I think the game could go either way. You got to say something bold. Say what we really think. Yeah, this is high. I mean, we're going high risk, high reward here because uh, we we could go. I guess continue to go safe. Although I I, I don't think we went safe even with our bees. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, you touched on on everything that I wanted to touch on depth being a big one. Uh, I think depth is important, especially with with the safeties, the secondary as a whole, because, you know, it's it's such a difficult and I'm lumping all of secondary. We'll get into the corners here in a bit. But uh, it's just it, it's so challenging to play those positions skill wise that, you know, sometimes people burn out or sometimes maybe, you know, you have a nagging injury or just sort of development isn't clicking, or maybe they're just not clicking with a certain, you know, threat that a certain team is presenting to you. Having that depth in there is, is just ridiculous. And I don't know. I mean, I know sometimes where we've had good safety groups, but I, I don't know about a, I can't think of a time in, in recent, recent times where we've had a, a safety group that we're optimistic. And then also we're talking about depth because I think other times we've talked about optimism for the safety group. Mm-hmm. It was, dependent on sort of one key person, uh, pun intended. And then, um, you know, it, it just sort of higher potential for not panning out when you have a, you know, a critical vulnerability there that's a, a single point of failure. I think it, you know, I, I do think A tier. Yeah. Yeah. You said it perfectly. Like this safety group has something different than we've seen for a while. You know, in the past, whenever we were kind of like, Maybe thinking DeLaren Turner Yell and Patrick Fields could put together a good safety group. That's because we are saying, like, these guys have been doing it for a while now and they understand Grinch's system. Hopefully they'll do well. But we haven't had it where we have veterans who've been there and done that, and Reggie Pearson and Billy Bowman, who's got a lot of snaps under them. Then we got young guy like Peyton um, Bowen who can go out and make big time plays, both sides of the ball on that one. Um, I really like that you we are agreeing so far. And we've only had one disagreement. So that shows us that we've been talking about Oklahoma football every week for the past like couple years <laughs> together. And we're just starting to just turn into one, like what group think together. So <laughs> here we go. Um, let, what it tie, how about we move on to your yeah. fa- favorite position group that I think that you like to talk about the most on this team. Let's talk about the receivers. Tight ends. Uh, Oh, no, I thought we we're going to go back to the receivers. Let, let's let's, talk, about the, receivers. let's yeah. talk about the tight ends. Let me give the uh, listeners just an update on what kind of our, our three deep will probably be at wide receiver. You got Austin Stogner back from transfer. Okay, sorry. I, I don't know what I said. I don't even remember. Um, tight end, Austin Stogner. And then you got Blake Smith from Texas A&M, both transfers. And then possibly could you see a Jason Llewellyn if he could stay healthy. Um, so what do you think of this room, Ty? I think, obviously, like you touched on, transfer heavy, sort of, like a transfer with an asterisk. asterisk. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why I cannot <laughs> pronounce things. I, uh, I, I never say anything do. correct anyways. But, uh, yeah, I think, depends on what you want from your tight ends, 
I think when it comes to how tight ends fit into this team, I think if we leverage them more as a in a more receiver heavy role than a, a line heavy role, if you want to make those comparisons for a tight end, I think there is potential. I think we might start disagreeing on this one. I think based on where we have other people lined up, I could argue A. Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to do this, and I well, okay. disagree. I think I, going I... into this, B, but okay. I think the tight ends as a group are better than the quarterbacks. Just say it, Ty. You just love Austin Stogner so much. Don't say it as a group. Don't tell me Jason. No, Lowell I like I liked our our old tight ends. I like this guy from A and M. I think. If he went to AM, hopefully he's at least smart enough to remember to register for classes. Little foreshadowing when we get into the receiver group or the uh, <laughs> running backs uh, group because some are not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's I think there's high potential there, and I didn't see things that disappointed me or made me think, "Uh oh, this is not what we're expecting to see from it." Is there maybe a counter argument to Stogner specifically? He tried at OU, didn't work, went somewhere else, didn't necessarily work there. Maybe he's just coming back to somewhere where he had a lot of friends, had a good culture fit. He's just trying to coast through the rest of his college experience. Maybe that's the case, but you know who else failed everywhere else they've been, and we still have the mid-B tier? Our quarterback. So I'll take the guy who at least played under Lincoln Riley and played in the SEC and then came here over a guy who failed in the group of five. And now we've picked him up because he's met our coach before. I think we could have found maybe some other people who've met our coach before, but yeah. uh, yeah. Here's my argument. I I don't think we can even sniff a, and here's why we were talking with safety. We we're talking about group group of guys that have been there, done that and made constant production and played. Like I would consider them good players on our football team. And then also you have a guy like Peyton Bowen, who's like could turn out to be an award freshman type of guy. I don't see any of that on this tight end room. I just don't think they're going to be utilized as much as we really think they will be, to be completely honest with you. I think Blake Smith could be like sneaky, you know, average and, you know, get us across and do what he needs to do. Let's see how long he keeps the club. Definitely should have it off. But if he keeps it on for fall ball, we'll know that he just fell in love with that club and he wants to keep it for the rest of the season. Um, But Austin Stogner, yes, I, I do see him as a guy that could be, I'd say like a high B plus, but I can't even get him up to an A there, Ty. I, I don't know where this A rating is coming from. I can't convince it. I've got them, you know, 79.5 and you have to convince me and come to my office hours to round them up to a B, Ty. Like just because mm. you're, you're saying A and I understand that you're really high on this group might make me round up my grade to a B. But I, I like you said with Austin Stogner, like, even at South Carolina, he didn't put up that big of numbers. I'm going to pull him up right now because I remember like yeah. looking at him in, and, in like, the SEC. and I'm like, yeah, and, in, the, in the SEC where he had to rely on Spencer Rattler to get him the true, and, so, and that's what like he had to a, do. There's a lot of caveats to that. You know, Blake yeah. Smith are his stats that amazing? I mean, his career long is a two yard reception. Twenty uh, twenty. 
2022, he had 20 catches, 210 yards, mm-hmm. only one touchdown. 2021, he had three touchdowns, 166 yards. In 2020, he had 422 yards and three touchdowns. That was his best year. He only had three touchdowns and 422 yeah, I, yards. I, I, I'm sorry. Yes, I understand. But, like, I I understand. All I heard from Austin. there was 10 yards per catch. Okay, well. He's just not getting the ball enough. You're right. You're right. That's about, that's math. Is that not math? <laughs> no, it, it is. Yeah, no, it, he had six, he had sixteen he had sixteen yards of catch in twenty twenty. And you know, like, yes, he's getting first downs, and that's what you need as a tight end. I agree. But like, you know, I'd also want to see a bunch of touchdowns from a guy who's gonna be an A tier tight end. Um, I Blake Smith, like you said, mm-hmm. doesn't really have too much to his name in terms of stats and his in his future, but um, I let's look at it. Two two catches for one yard is what you said in twenty twenty. Yeah, but his his career long his his season long was also a two. So, <laughs> <laughs> two receptions. His season long was two yards, and he ended the year with a yard. How that math works out? He played I in two know. games. He played in two games. Like like yard per game. Slow and steady wins the race. Or I guess he didn't. He I guess he played in more games because he didn't get a red shirt. But still, like. I, I just I this is this is a seventy nine point five group just because I'm trying to be nice yeah, I, about I don't Austin Wagner. I, I think I think you could convince it to be a B, but I I, I do not put them at the same level as defensive line and quarterback. I if this was me and by myself, I'd be putting him at C. I, I don't know if I would have Blake Smith just looking at the stats. He might be D on his own. But oh, you're right, you're right. So so, if, so I think we, we can, can settle, settle out of B. B. Yeah, I'm comfortable with B. Okay, and, and that is just for everyone listening. Ty loves the tight ends. He loves them. He loves Austin Stogner yes. so much. This is not my I think this is by far, if you're talking about someone in the comments, you know, Jimmy's in the comments, he's reading for Stog. I hope he has a great year. I am too. Yes. Absolutely. This would be a great story. But if you're talking about people coming at us in the, uh, these rankings in the comments, that's I feel like that's a position that people could really get at saying, like, you put in wide receivers at a C, and you have Jalil Farouk there. And you have Drake Stoops there, but we're gonna put tight ends when they just have Austin Stogner at a B. Like that is sus. That is super sus. Um, but the great thing about tight ends is unless you're playing like, yeah. But if you're playing if you're with tight ends, you know, unless you're playing like two tight end sets, you know, all you have to have is one tight end to go out there and produce at a high level to be a mm-hmm. successful pre- position group. And Austin Stogner can do that. Now wide receivers, I feel like you have to have three guys go out there and do do like do good to be a successful mm-hmm. position group and unfortunately we just don't have that number so that's yeah. where i can can see how tight ends are above wide receivers here's the thing here's the thing about tight ends it, tight ends are like a semicolon right no one actually knows how to use them it's very rare that someone actually knows how to use them but when you use it right oh boy does it hit right receivers mm-hmm. are like commas yeah everyone should be using them more than they do are we using our commas correctly this year? Probably not. This year. So this is I falling apart. I should have stuck to. I should. No, but stuck I like your pauses. I, uh, I think that was a really, really nice hit on talking Titans about commas. Are like semicolons, right? Most people don't know how to use them, but when you have someone that knows how to use them and they use them appropriately, boy, do they hit! But they're not in all the time. Or you don't have them in every sentence, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could ask an AI to write you a coherent thing that had a semicolon and every sentence but i think that's how i'm looking at it right stogner not to do a bit but if he's averaging for a whole season where he's getting you know double digit catches and he's averaging 10 yards per catch 
I mean, that's really good. When you're semicolon, when you need to use it, are you using it appropriately and does it hit? You know, it's not mm. necessarily a trick up your sleeve, but it's a very rarely used tool. I mean, it's yeah. it's not, I don't want to make it sound because now we're going into tool analogies. I don't want to say they're a torque wrench because, you know, a torque wrench is a very important thing. I, I don't want to make tight ends sound not important, but, you know, when you use a torque wrench, you know, you want to use it appropriately. You're not torquing every bolt that you're putting on unless you're doing something that, you know, you need a torque wrench all the <laughs> time. So getting the, off the, the tool style. analogy is getting worse than the grammar <laughs> analogy. We should, we but, should uh, cut it off. We, we need to cut yeah. this off. Next position we... group, going over yes. to the defensive side. Yeah, yeah. Hit us with one, Ty. What do you like? Let's go. Uh, I want to save the linebackers I kind of want to save the linebackers for last, but yeah, yeah. let's let's roll the corners. Let's save the linebackers yeah. for last. All right, let's kind of talk about our cornerback room before we go any farther. Woody Washington slated as CB1. This is a, by far the most solid guy in this cornerback room. But beyond that, um, with the transfer of Jaden Davis into the portal, you know, who is cornerback two? We think it could be a guy like Gentry Williams, but still got to see because they are kind of babying him back into the rotations this spring ever since he collapsed on the field. Um, assuming if he's even doing any kind of football activity, everything has passed and all of his tests are okay. But still, it seems like they're being very, very careful. After that, you think of a guy like, you know, Kendall Dolby, you know, Juco transfer and Josiah Wagner, true freshman and uh, Makari Vickers, freshman, like Jaden Rowe is retro freshman. Like, like, you know, a lot of young guys um, that go out and need to prove themselves. So, um, I'm unsure about this group, Ty. I really am. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what we were talking about in these last position groups. I think if you have a potential, a guy that can go out there and be really special and can come and be a perennial guy in his future um, at, as a good contributor for the defense, I think Gentry Williams can be that. He was a highly recruited guy at Oklahoma, has an absolute speed. Whenever he was out there, he showed good things, even whenever he was young. I just need to make sure he's going to play consistent minutes this year. Um, and then Woody Washington is a great product. He is a high-end B product. He's done things great for us um, pretty much since he got roasted in the LSU game. I still think Joe Burrow made him look bad on highlights, but I think he was doing what he needed to do at the last second ditch effort at that position. Um, so if you're talking about just you know potential and then possibility on Woody Washington, I think there are B. Yeah. Um, here's what I'm thinking. We're gonna we're gonna roll this back to tool analogies because I actually have oh, a here we good, go. No, I have a good one. This I is what y'all been listening for. No, this okay. this tool analogy is gonna hit. I don't know if this is gonna hit with you, uh, okay. James. I'm not necessarily sure Stay how much you know head. about tools, right? Cornerbacks. They're it, maybe you can make an argument. Is this a tool or not? It's a tool. Okay. Cornerbacks. They're your jack stands. Okay. Whenever you're jacking okay. something up, whenever you're under there changing the oil, doing whatever, whatever you need to do, should have your jack stands out there. You know, maybe you got the Wouldn't little ramps like or whatever. You got your you got your jack stands out there. Okay. The jack stands probably well, I guess you shouldn't leave it on the jack. So you you need your jack stands to succeed when you got them out there. You a jack stand when the jack stand fails, it's a bad day. When your quarterbacks fail it's a bad day because the other team's mm -hmm. probably scoring, you know, when your Jack stand fails also a bad day, 
maybe not your problem anymore, you know, if you, if you catch my drift there. Okay. But I'm listening. Um, quarterbacks are like your, your jack stands. So C-level, I think you can make the argument, because I, I think B, C with the, with the cornerbacks – are you comfortable getting under your your car, your truck, if you got C level jack stands holding it up? You know, so I think I, I would make the argument that maybe cornerbacks specifically, you make the same argument for safeties. Anything below A tier is just inherently A D tier. Okay, you're, you're okay. You're just what is the point of doing this tier maker then, Ty? If we're going to do well, only it, but it's different. You, it's it's different standards of evaluation, right? Like I don't. I don't know what to compare a maybe make this analogy in a in a different way. Um, How about we just stop trying to talk about tools and we talk about football? Okay, here. We'll talk about something. I mean, it, it, what's something that you you need? You know, it's like your bulletproof vest. You, like you don't want to have to. I understand what you're getting. It hits at. all the time, but if it fails, you know, it's a bad day. So it's like if you have a. Yeah, but, but you know, it's a B tier bulletproof vest. Like eh, sometimes it but works. You, but, sometimes you st- it but you don't have a car fall on your face and die, or you don't get shot in the heart if your cornerback fails. They score, but then you get another drive, and hopefully your offense can put up some points too and still win you the football game. Yes, but if a car falls on your face or you get shot, it stops being your problem. If you're an Oklahoma football fan and you have a bad cornerback room, you have to live with that. So are you thinking they're a C? Is that what you're saying? Just because I'm maybe I, I mean I can go with B. I can go with B. I just want to make the argument for scoring B for that. So so what do you think of Woody Washington? Let's no analogies here. Let's take out the analogy. What do you think of Woody Washington as a cornerback? How do you feel about him coming into the season? I think that defensively as a whole, I think this entire defense, there is I like, I believe I, I'm a true believer, right. And in, in what we're doing here, I, I think maybe there needs to be a few coaching changes, maybe our defensive coordinator specifically, but I think that every single defensive player that is a starter going into this year has the potential to be an a. So I, I think Woody Washington specifically, I think I would go just with the, you know, the, the breadth of the, the tier that we've established for B, I think I'd still put him in B. Okay. Yeah. I think he's about, he's a high end B and that's what I said earlier. And I think Jensher Williams, like I said, I think he has potential to be something good. I really do. Um, but I get what you're saying. Cornerbacks, whenever we've seen it and we're kind of, you know, beating down fans at OU, you know, like we've had a lot of cornerbacks roast us a lot. We really have. But I think Woody is really solid. He's, you know, way above a C grade. He is not like a superstar at S. And I don't think he's on the brink of being a superstar. But I think he's a type of guy that I feel really happy with in this position group that I don't think is going to screw us over too much. And I think that's what you call a B. And I think for a guy with potential, Ginger Williams, the other side B, um, I could think he's a B as well. But the problem is they just don't have a lot of depth. So low end B overall grade for me. So I understand you're a little bit lower than them on me. Um, I, I, I think, no, I'm good with B. I, I just I think it's, I, I think I went a little long on the analogy. It's higher risk. I, yeah. I think when they're, when they're B, but when both, you know, when the, when the holes in the Swiss cheese are just unfortunately aligned and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff is getting through, it was a Bobby-esque uh, poor choice of hand motions there for the video. Uh, but 
<laughs> you know, when, when they're having a bad day, it's it, when it rains, it pours in that yeah. position specifically, especially with mm-hmm. the lack of depth. So I think I, I'm an apprehensive beat. Yeah, and you for hope depth, that but the... I think it, when you break it down, yeah, when you break it down individual, you know, maybe it starts to look a little better. So yeah, and maybe a good safety group can make them look a little bit better if they're not getting burned over the top as much, where they have a little bit of yep. backup because safeties yep. are legitimately the word they are called safety. We forget this sometimes that we There's just use these random words. Oh, well, here we go. Safeties. <laughs> legitimately, <laughs> it is named safety because they are meant to be there if something screws up. And a lot of the times that has not been a luxury for you. Hopefully it will be this year. Let's move on. We're going long. Um, go to the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about offensive linemen. Um, yep. Cause I don't want to throw another B and I think offensive linemen are a C. I'm going to cut to the chase on this one. Let's talk about the potential starters for this team. So left tackle probably going to be Walter Rouse. We have not seen him healthy yet, but Caden green got a lot of those first team reps, true freshman at um, left tackle kind of scary, but you know, we've seen Anton Harrison go out there as a freshman. And now he's a first-round pick. So don't doubt Bill Beatembo. Walter Rouse still needs to get healthy. Left guard, Savion Bird, do we believe in him? I'm not sure, but maybe. Um, you know, and then also kind of deep at the at the guard position on the other side, McCabe Metallier. Um, Caleb Schaefer would probably be the guy behind them. And then I, I guess Troy Everett, I think, is the um, Appalachian State transfer guy would slot in there. Um, Andrew Raymond center. Um Probably won't see too much uh, behind him other than like maybe like a Nate Anderson. And then at right tackle, Tyler Guyton, and then like Jake Taylor, and maybe even like an Aaron Parks. So here's yeah. my thing. I'm going to break down this group just really quickly because I just think that we saw a lot of holes in the spring game, and there's a lot of injuries, and I think there's a lot of development that you need to do in this position um, in this Bill Beatenbow's room to where you need to get this um, this uh, Bill Beatenbow offensive line offense. There's a reason not a lot of guys come in um, right away, even if you're super talented and do well. You, we've seen it plenty and plenty of times. You have to get Bill beat and bow system and then work at it, get your footwork down, and then you succeed. We got to transfer a left tackle, Walter Rouse. Now, I understand left tackle is a little bit different. You know, Savion Bird has been there, but he's still shown some weaknesses. Andrew Rame hasn't been healthy a lot, and he's showing some character issues, getting kicked out of practice. I don't know if that was too much of a character thing, if he's being a problem or if he's just being really intense. Still not a good look. And McKay Metallier was really disappointed last year. Tyler Guyton, I think super fun piece. I think that he is an awesome story, you know, moving and transferring over here, coming in, playing early, and showing some good things. There's a lot of question marks. I say question mark at left tackle Walter Rouse, even though we gave him an NIL bag. Savion Bird still a question because I still haven't seen him successfully play a full season. Andrew Rame, I don't know if he can stay healthy. McKay Battaglia is obviously a question mark. Tyler Guyton is all right. I, I just think that's a C for me. Yeah, I, I think I I like C for this. I I hate. I really hate in football when people talk about like rebuilding years, but I think that this could be a rebuilding year. I think we have a, Mm -hmm. an offensive line coach who can make absolute art out of the most unlikely pieces. I think that, you know, like you just broke down, maybe the pieces aren't what we're used to having. And I Mm -hmm. think there have been some worrisome stuff like you talked about the, the O-line has to work as a unit and it's worrisome if guys are getting kicked out of practice and stuff because, 
you know, you can have that, that they might be frustrated with how poor the group yeah. is doing. That might've been a thing too. Yeah. And, and that could, I mean, that even of itself could be a, a greater issue. I think is, is the personality conflicts. If they're turning on each other, uh, that could end up with a worse outcome than just maybe a little bit worse at, at the skills. So I think, you know, maybe potential for this to be, well, one of, I hate when people say this is potential to be one of the most, like that's super vague. I'm sure I do that all the time, but I think this could be the worst O-line under uh, Biedenbaugh at, at OU potentially. I, I but agree. I think that, I think that we have a coach in, uh, you know, coach, coach B that can turn this into something that you would never expect. So I think super high potential for, you know, like our other group in the C tier, this could age very poorly. They could be A tier by the end of the season, but I think C is a very realistic, very reasonable uh, expectation. Yeah, you look at what OU has been going hard at in the transfer portal this spring, trying to fill in spots. And that is our two C tier people right now, and that is wide receivers and offensive linemen. So we're not wrong. Maybe the coaches are thinking similar things than us. Um, let's move on um, for the sake of time. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, but we've got two position groups left. Yeah. Let's move over, talk about the linebackers, Ty. Um, Ty, yep. kind of give me your thoughts about uh, Danny Stutzman and then maybe um, Jaron Kanick on the other side. So Danny Stutzman at the will, not weak side. Jaron Kanick, the Mike linebacker, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, Phil Pachotti, Shane Witter, um, that group. What do you think about them? They, I, don't know, I didn't even bring yeah. up. We, we said we're going to add the Cheetahs in there. Justin Harrison, Harrington and Desan McCola over there as well. What do you think of this group? Yeah, so I have a I have a quick analogy. Give me like three seconds. Okay. All right. Okay. A tie for the people that are podcasting. He's got up out of his seat. It seems that he's going to get us a prop. So let's let's talk oh. about let's talk uh, about. Did, Danny you, did you get a prop for us? Because I just I just uh, I promised did, and the I'm, listeners. Good. Okay. Good. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it listener friendly. So okay. in my hands, uh, I'm holding a uh, sort of a length of just sort of clear. And this is a Danny Stutzman analogy, and we will keep it short. But uh, what this is, see, it's green, and now it's blinking green. It's like this little rubber thing with some Velcro on it. It's got a computer chip in here, and uh, this is much better for the visual uh, listeners, the visual viewers, so to speak. But what this is, is a $50 taxpayer-funded solution to the glow stick. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) government waste, am I right? Um, it's also battery powered and you cannot change the battery so that the government has to buy more. Uh, but that's it. it's, it's marketing, right? Is, is what it is. It's they've marketed it as, Oh, it's better than a glow stick because you can turn it off or you can make it blink. Is that, does that make it better than a glow stick? I guess for certain applications, you know, if you're using a glow stick for like non elementary party applications, which is why people have convinced the government that they need to spend $50 a unit on these, probably more now, uh, just so that you can Velcro it on this stuff. And I think maybe that's maybe that's what Danny Stutzman is, because some people think he's fun to look at. You know, this is I this is objectively fun to look at, just a little I'm blinking green rubber thing. Uh, I'm sure you're enjoying it. You guys handed out like 50 of little things like this at your wedding. It was great. Super entertaining. <laughs> Uh, little blinking lights and, and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, it, maybe it's marketing. Maybe it's recognizable name. Uh, some people think he's fun to look at. Some people, I've never been around him, but I, I hear he's a fun guy to be around. Does that mean he's great on the field? It doesn't mean he's bad on the field, but, you know, is he Kenneth Murray? 
no. So I, I think maybe when we're looking at these these linebackers as a whole, I think there's a ton of like name recognition, and and I think there's a ton of like, oh yeah, this guy is like really really great. But I think maybe if you start to look at at stats, not necessarily bad, but not necessarily that amazing. Including the cheetahs in this can can certainly factor in, but I think as a whole, as I pass it over to you, Jameson, to to dive a little deeper, maybe B tier. I think maybe mid to lower B tier with some marketing. Mm-hmm. Here's here's my thing um, with this. I feel like your reference to Kenneth Murray might even kind of be a talking point here because Kenneth Murray was a guy who got a lot of tackles, a lot, a lot, a lot of tackles. Danny Stutzman gets a lot of tackles. There are times where they go up the wrong core, they make the wrong read. And it burns you and it sucks or they can't play coverage. You see, I am a Chargers fan. I'm seeing Kenneth Murray right now, not even get his option picked up off his rookie contract as a first round pick because he's just making some poor decisions. You would hope Danny Stutzman is going to make those um, no fixes. But we talked about this with the quarterbacks. Danny Stutzman, I feel like, is a good starter. I'm happy with it. Now, does he make mistakes? Absolutely. Woody Washington makes mistakes. But I'm excited for that. You know, on Jaron Kanick, that is a guy showing some promise. I think he can be a guy at that Mike linebacker that a lot of fans can get behind and really enjoy. But what throws him to the side, which I could even convince myself, get even close to an Okay, I'm not going to do an A, but I still think it's going to be a B. <laughs> is this, I'm just so excited this cheetah position. Like, Harrington is coming into form, allegedly. I, I feel like we've heard this for the past couple of seasons now. Um, and... McCullough, man, he just looked like something else, like an absolute specimen in that game. Um, Mr. John the sat in chat says, can Harrington and McCullough um, be on the field at the same time? They're both too explosive to rotate and just and, and in and out of just Cheetah. Um, maybe put Desan closer to the ball. I would not be surprised at all mm-hmm. if they have that. I would not be surprised at all. There's going to be different sets. and Not everything's going to be your basic four defensive linemen, three, like your four, three. I, I understand the, the, def- um, the defense is a little bit different and more um, complicated than that, but we're not going to just have four defensive linemen, three linebackers. They're going to change things up. They're going to show you different looks. Um, but, man, McCullough could really step it up. Man, He, he got named one of the best transfers by on three, I believe, today. And he could come in and take that job from Harrington and be something that we haven't had at that cheetah position for a while now. Um, I'm excited about this group. I really am. But let me tell you something. They're not a yet. They don't have a his track record yet of some consistency to where I feel confident right now of their baseline. There's still a lot of upward and downward that they could go. So I'm going to put them in a B, but I still think that they can go really high. I think they can be an A. I really, really do. I think Danny Stutzman can put the pieces together. It seems like if if he you know uses his head and really like thinks about it hard and tries really hard at it, he can do it. If they keep him focused, he can do it. And I think Jaron Cannon can be a guy that can play really well. And if Desan McCullough and Harrington continue to play like they have, they can be an A group. But I just think that there's just not enough consistency there right now to put it that I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, yeah. I, I think B is you know we we did some some bits there but i think b is a yeah. a reasonable you know and I, I i think just a quick tie-in to the team as a whole i think you know looking at the way because now we're done with the defense if we truly do have a defense that follows uh, what we projected here with mm-hmm. a tier safeties and then every other group in in the b 
Obviously, you know, we touched on cornerbacks, high potential to fall out of B just because of depth issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Linebackers, you know, maybe on the cusp of A if they really meet expectations. Marketing right there. But I I think this OU team as a whole is uh, very well equipped, very well suited on the defensive side rolling into next season if these projections are are accurate. We need to lean on our defense next year. We're going to have decent offense. It's not going to be the best but we need to lean on our defense. Get that in your mind, Sooner fans. Something that we're not used to, but this defensive unit, I think, is better than our offensive unit. We need to lean on that, and it's just weird to say. Um, Let's go into the running back room. End it off, Ty. Um, It's going to be an interesting room, obviously losing Eric Gray to the draft, and he is a guy who put out great production, but there's a lot of guys that, yeah, I see some talent there. They should be pretty good, but... I need to see it this season. Javante Barnes has been hurt um, throughout the spring. He's been in a boot, but um, nothing serious there. Should be playing in the fall and be RB1. Gavin Sajak should be RB2. Um, He seemed to be RB1 in the spring game, and I thought played pretty well. And then Tawi Walker versus Marcus Major at RB3 with some of the young guys like Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks. So what do you think of this group, Ty? So I, I think that this is a weird group and that I think there is a lot of depth, but I don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot of top in depth, a top end mm-hmm. depth, if that makes sense. Like potential, I, I think potential. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of similar potential as sort of the middle, bottom, and then bottom end of the of the depth chart. I think that you know, the, the difference in guys starts to really gray out and, and there's a lot of not repl- replaceable sounds bad, but there's a lot of interchangeable pieces down there at, at the bottom end that you might not even notice if you're just looking at stats, who necessarily is out there. I think on the top end, there is potential. I mean, this is all leading into, well, I guess I'll keep it short. It's all leading into, I think, B, I, I think lower B. Mm-hmm. Low B. Um, I just don't really know, especially with this. Oh, I completely forgot about this, but I think especially with this offensive line, I, I think mid to low B, and I think running backs as a whole, obviously, you know, a guy can have a great year, but I, I think that honestly running backs have the least potential for for improvement. I, I don't think that they're going to fall off, but I think, you know, one or two injuries and and they are pretty firmly in the C tier. So I think yep. low B on the running backs and and I think unfortunately, you know, barring a miracle, I think they're I obviously who knows how accurate this is going to be, but I, I'm almost the most comfortable with saying, hey, running backs are low B tier, maybe high C, depending on the specific game mm-hmm. with a potential to drop into the C's if mm-hmm. if things go wrong and not a whole lot of potential to get any better than that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I was going to say low B as well, and it's close. It really is close. And I'm saying that just because I believe in Javante Barnes to be something special. I really do. I think that if he can stay healthy, he's an absolute explosive athlete, just a freak of a person. And he could be really good. He really could. Um, but I do believe that the offensive line is going to have to do really well to make him succeed. You know, he's taking a big jump here, going into this RB1 whenever he kind of was a little bit RB3-ish last year for a little bit and then RB2, you know? Um, I, I, I think that you said this exactly, and I'm going to reiterate it. 
that this is probably, you know, a high C, low B group. And I think that at the end of this year, we could say like that was a C group. It was very just passing and there's really not too much to say about them. Um, but Gavin Sachuk with the speed and then, um, you know, Javante Barnes, the way he plays with his athleticism, I think is a put me at about like an 83, 82 and a half ish. I'm really, really getting to the deep, dark depths of numbers here. Um, but, <laughs> but it's just, if you lose those guys, I, I, I don't know what we're going to have. I really don't. Yep. Um, it's a, it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of youth. It's really what it is. And it comes down to, can your young guys go out and make a name for themselves in a kind of a tough position? Um, so I think we're being generous with this B and I understand Jimmy in the chat says like, Oh, there's a B plus. I understand that I can listen to the B plus for the running backs. Cause people will say like Javante Barnes could be a guy that could be a really, really good running back. I completely agree with you. Gavin Sawchuk is a lot of fun. This dude is a blazer. And as an RB two, you can have a guy that runs that fast as Gavin Sawchuk to come play the pass game, catch the ball the way he's been doing. Yes. Completely can see it. Um, still a lot to prove for me mm-hmm. um, and not the best position. I I think, you know, I, I don't think Jimmy is necessarily wrong. Like he touched on, they could be B plus, but I think with running backs, especially when you look at the offense, the offense holistically, there's just so much that's out of their hands. You know, if the, if the line is just a stinker, it doesn't matter who you have back there at the running back. If they're constantly getting, you know, if their first contact is just always negative, it doesn't matter if you have a guy that always makes the first man miss or, you know, can shake off that first hit. If the first hit is still two yards behind the line because, because the O-line, you know, and then you factor in if the receivers are bad and we have a, a pretty average quarterback, you know, teams are going to know, hey, maybe we don't have to respect the pass game that much. We can just continue to focus on this potentially underperforming line. And again, you could have Marshawn Lynch back there and he's going to have trouble getting yards, uh, especially when you're talking about, a, you know, I think I would feel a lot better about this position group. If we had like a firm established, like I am the main guy leader. I've been first or second team all big 12 and I'm going to pull you guys in, but just youth. And then just so reliant, no matter how great you are on everyone else's performance on the team, I really feel like that's that's going to be a, a major issue, pun intended, for this running back room. Yeah, I I think we are on the same page. The funny part is, I, I said there's kind of like a group thing throughout this ranking. We pretty much agreed with the, with each other throughout this for the most part, mm-hmm. except for I think tight ends. We are pretty far off with each other. Yeah, a we're... little bit different on um, cornerbacks and quarterback. But for the most part, we are pretty much the same. And I think looking at this overall as a whole, let me just repeat it to our listeners. Right now, there's nobody at the S super tier. But at the A tier, we rank the safeties as their only A tier. The B tier, we have linebackers, quarterbacks, defensive line, cornerbacks, running backs, and tight ends. And then at C, we have wide receivers and offense linemen. No one at D. I think that just shows it straight up right here. There's a lot of B, and B is above average. We should mm-hmm. not have 6 and 17 next year. We shouldn't. We have a good, solid team, and there's a lot of potential to do better. We talked about that too. Um, but right now, as it stands, a lot still to prove and a lot you can move up. You can move a spot or two up, or you can move a spot or two down. There's a lot of move, uh, a lot of room to wiggle right here. Yep, we've we've made our own little bell curve here uh, with the team. And, and as we wrap up, I do w- want to just point out, you know, 
if you think we just absolutely completely missed one swinging a miss, please let us know in the comments yep. or whatever else. We look at all those. And uh, if it's funny or if it's a big miss, we will uh, definitely discuss it on the next pod. And uh, we need content. Know, That's why yeah, we're doing yeah. ranking tiers right now. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is a very speculative and it, we sort of have our own criteria. You know, it's a, a lot of it was team internal comparisons. This might not be if you compare these position groups across college football, you know, maybe one is a little bit better. Maybe one's a little bit worse than, than where we ranked them. So again, it's a tier list. So it's, it's purely arbitrary. Although we did get into some, some stats with uh, Stogner who will not be slandered 10 yards per reception. But yeah, I think I think this is a pretty fair preseason. I mean, it's a very reasonable preseason assessment. We this certainly could have gone just you know four groups in S, four groups in D, and, and something else like that. But I yeah, it, it was we weren't necessarily chalk like you talked about. We had some I think that we had a big variance on. We had a few that we had to sort of meet in the middle. But I think mm-hmm. if we were to go back through this and and sort of put a confidence number out of 100, I would bet that with the exception of the tight ends, we're within five, you know, because if we're doing like a 10 point scale, you know, and you're saying, oh, this group is a 79 and I'm saying, oh, they're an 81. We're still pretty, pretty close on our standard. It's just a matter of us saying, oh, A or B or B or C in in that case. So I think, you know, uh, did we do it the best? I don't know, but this OU football mm-hmm. team doesn't do it the best, so they don't deserve a podcast that does it the best. <laughs> All right. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, shout out for Bobby letting us do this. I can't even imagine how much longer this podcast would have been if we had a third person. So actually, blessed be that we made it a two-person. <laughs> I think it honestly worked out. And it was really fun. Like Ty said, um, tell us in the comments if you guys disagree with any of our rankings. Um, we're going to get this out on Twitter. Uh, we'll post a tweet of this ranking just to see what you all think of this um but other than that ty send us out yeah uh, we should have done a ou media member who shall not be named and just blatantly on a list that was just atrocious just to get <laughs> just to get interactions but uh with that that is tonight's schooner pod thank you all for joining us so much with this special co-host only podcast we have no sponsors to thank not fault of our own uh, that is the fault of canadians so don't blame us blame the canadians who didn't know what they were doing necessarily we had a good run while we had it we certainly appreciate it and it boy it lasted about 99 percent longer than i thought it we had it for two years it lasted a year and 11 months longer than i thought it would so we're good product right now we, we yeah. had a good we had a lot of listeners during this um episode so sponsors be wary All right, so normally Bobby ends by like, stumbling hey, around. Hey, give us, and, give us an outro here, Ty. Yeah, normally Bobby like says something awkward and by accident, <laughs> and we just have to cut it off. So uh, with that, uh, that is tonight's Schooner Pod. Right, I don't know how y'all. to end. How do we end it? <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs>